Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 80 of the Box Hard Podcast, number 80. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. We're going to dive straight into part one. Part one being the review part of the show. We're going to start with a card that took place over in Australia at the Melbourne Pavilion. Just one fight to mention on this build, to, to, to be completely honest. Former world champion Sam Solomon, 44-4 and four with 14 losses. He moved to 45 wins and 14 losses. He got a TKO win over Balas Horvath, who had a record of 29-21, and 21, now 29-22. and 22. Horvath was down in round one and two, and he... Uh, he might have been down in round three as well. I'm not too sure, but he indicated to the ref that he had had enough. So he quit, basically. Decent win there, I suppose, for Sam Solomon. I'm not too sure why he's still fighting, but still a decent win there over in the outback. Uh, moving over now to Finland. One fight to mention over here. Johan Duapas. He moved to 35 wins. He's, of course, got four losses. A former opponent of Deontay Wilder. He took on David Gogo Shivili. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, Shivili was down in, or Gogo Shivili, I think that's how you say his name. He was down in the first round and the second round and knocked out in round three. So, decent win there for Duapus. Moving over now from Finland to France. One fight to mention over in France. Uh, Michel Soro moved to 30 wins. His record now 30 and 1 with one draw. He picked up a TKO in round three over Javier Francisco Maciel, who had a decent record there. 30 wins and 5 losses. So, uh, Michel Soro gets another defense of his WBA International Super Welterweight title. Uh, moving over now to Germany. One fight to mention over there. There's lots of different fights in lots of different countries. It seems to just be one fight in each different country so far. Uh, we're going to try to go through these very, very quickly. This one over in Germany, Robin Krasnitschi. He fought Arthur Abraham. I picked... Arthur Abraham to do the business. I thought that he would get the win. I think he's the more experienced guy. The you know he's got the better wins at world level, and I was right there. Krasnicki lost unanimously over twelve rounds. I'm not too sure what the scorecards were, but Arthur Abraham picks up the win. His record now forty six and five. Krasnicki forty six and five as well. So uh, yeah, interesting stuff. That's it for Germany. Moving over now to Poland. One fight to mention over there. Krzysztof Zimnoc, the heavyweight. His record 21-1 and one with one draw. He took on former world title challenger. He lost to Lennox Lewis by knockout many, many years ago. Michael Grant. I'm not sure why he was anywhere near a ring. He lost. He got knocked out again. Zimnoc knocked him out in round two. So Michael Grant now 48-7. and seven. His record, Zimnoc. 22-1 and one with one draw. That's it for Poland. Moving over now to Sweden. Again, one fight to mention over here. Uh, heavyweight contender Otto Wallin. He moved to 18-0 with a TKO in round 5 against his opponent Gianluca Mandras. Wallin also picked up the vacant WBA Continental Heavyweight title in the process. That's it for Sweden. 
Now we're coming over to the UK. The UK is where there were two massive fight cards last weekend. We're going to start with top of the bill. Tyrone Nurse, 34 wins and two losses with one draw. It was his third defense of the British super lightweight title. He took on Joe Hughes. Joe Hughes bringing a record of 15-2. and two. Um, To be honest, it was hard um, watching these two bills. There were two fights or two cards on at the same time. Uh, that was obviously Sky Sports with Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren with Box Nation slash BT Sports. I was flicking back between them both and I didn't watch much of the Tyrone Nurse fight. I've got to be completely honest. Um, while he was fighting, I believe there was a fight on, on the Matchroom card. I think um, Sean Mashadod was fighting. And I, cho- I chose that time, actually, I- I'll be completely honest. I went on Grand Theft Auto to play a couple of uh, a couple of uh, Grand Theft Auto heists online with, with Frankie Gavin. So uh, that was what I was doing. And nonetheless, I missed, I missed most of that. But uh, it-, it went down as a split draw. So Tyrone Nurse, he's going to need to defend his British title once again to win it outright. So Tyrone Nurse, the second draw of his career, and Joe Hughes, the first draw of his career. But we know Tyrone Nurse is a good fighter. He's just hung around that domestic level for a little bit too long for a few people's likings. But nonetheless, a hard fighter to beat, and we hope he does win the belt outright. Uh, That's it for that one. Moving down the undercard. The first fight on the televised bill, it was a bit of a strange one, the way it had been put together in terms of time scheduling. Uh, Zolani Tete, he fought Arthur Villanueva. Um, It wasn't a really good fight, to be honest. I was watching the Box Nation HD channel, and the commentary was not there. There was no commentary. There was no sound whatsoever on the HD channel for about two hours, which was... Real, real bad from Box Nation, to be honest. I'm a big fan of their channel, but real bad, um, you know, real bad technical fault there. But on the standard definition channel, which is channel 437 on the Sky Box, they had commentary, but of course the picture's not as good. So I was watching it in standard definition. I found it really hard to watch boxing on mute. It was quite weird. But uh, yeah, I just couldn't get into it. So when I did switch over, which was probably about round 10 of the Tete fight, which again was the first fight on the televised bill, um, I could hear the commentary, but Tete wasn't overly impressive. He won most rounds. He had his opponent down in the 11th, but he managed to win unanimously after 12. He also picks up the interim WBO World Bantamweight title there. So, a good win, I suppose. Villanueva came into the fight with a record of 30-1, and now 30-2. Zolani Tete moves to 25-3, and but not an overly exciting contest at all. It definitely was placed at, you know, at the bottom of the bill. In hindsight, it was a good thing, because it wasn't a great fight to watch, in all honesty. Also on the undercard, this was fight of the night for me. Jermaine Smile, he put his English super middleweight title on the line against Daryl Williams. Um, this was a real, real war. Daryl Williams, he's this is going to sound a bit too much of a compliment, to be honest, but he's got a kind of style... This could go down as one of the worst the worst analogies ever, but he's got kind of like a Mike Tyson style, and I mean that because the way he bobs and weaves, the way he kind of you know moves his head and, and ducks under punches left to right, kind of bobs up on his left foot and right foot, it's very, it reminds you of kind of like the way T- Mike Tyson would roll shots 
and uh, you know his defensive side was very underrated Mike Tyson but the the same Mike Tyson kind of defense is what Daryl Williams got I, I'm not you know I'm not silly I know that it's, he's not to that standard but it just reminded me of that it was a little bit throwback-ish um, Jermaine Smile lost ultimately by a split decision after 10 rounds so Daryl Williams becomes the new English super middleweight champion his record now 15 and 0 Jermaine Smile 14 wins 5 losses and 2 draws Williams was cut on the left eyebrow in the third round I think he was cut also in the eighth round as well if I'm not mistaken so a very bloody contest but an out and out war it was a real real good fight to be honest as I said fight of the night in my in my opinion. Moving also down the undercard, Anthony Yard got in the ring. We will be speaking to him very, very shortly. He got in the ring against Darren Snow. Anthony Yard made light work of that, and he picked up a KO in round one, so he's now double digits, 10-0 and 0 with nine inside the distance. His opponent was down twice. Um, I think there was a little bit of a rumor after the fight that possibly uh, maybe a broken rib could have been sustained there by Darren Snow, which is never good, but uh, you know we wish him all the best, and of course we'll be speaking to Anthony Yard in due time, but his opponent didn't really want any of it, he wanted out pretty much straight away, in all honesty. Also on the undercard, Tom Stalker picked up a win, a points win over six rounds against Chris Adaway. Tom Stalker now 12-2 and two with three draws. Also on the undercard as well, Leon Woodstock moved to 9-0 and with a TKO in round three over Paul Holt. I missed that one, to be honest. I think I was watching uh, another fight on Sky at the time, so I missed that one. I can't really comment on that. Uh, we're going to try to go through this as quick as we can. Daniel Dubois picked up his second professional win. He had his opponent down in the first round. He knocked him out in round two, so a good win there for Daniel Dubois. And finally on this bill, main event, Tommy Langford. He was on our show uh, I think it was last week, might have been the week before. He took on Avton Dil Kurtzidze, who had a record of 32 and 2 with two draws. Obviously, Kurtzidze had mixed it at the higher level. Tommy Langford being the you know the undefeated guy on the up. Kurtzidze's pretty much one-dimensional. He just throws big shots. He just comes forward, comes forward, throws big shots. Tom had to keep it long. He had to keep everything behind the jab. Um, you know. He did in some parts. He did move well, but he just, it was too much of a tear up. It wasn't very clever from Langford. But I know that he knew what he had to do. I just think actually doing it, actually exercising the game plan was a bit of a struggle for him. Um, you know, he, he just got too involved. It turned into too much of a fight. And. As I say, Langford was cut on the left eyebrow in round three. When that happened, things just seemed to worsen a little bit. Uh, I think he might have also been cut in the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken, which ended up being the final round. He got TKO'd in round five, so a very, very hard result for him. He sent out some kind of social media response, just a message to basically say sorry, and he'd feel like he'd let down everybody that was there and all his fans, which, you know, it was it was hard to see that. He's a real, real nice guy, Tommy Langford, but he would have learned a hell of a lot with that experience there, and hopefully we see him back. He's a true, true top guy. But that's it for the Leicester Arena. Moving over now to the other bill, the other uh, rival bill in the Echo Arena, Liverpool, Merseyside, UK, of course, the Eddie Hearn Show. We're going to start with the undercard over here. This one wasn't as big of a bill as the Frank Warren one. Uh, Joe Cordina made his debut. 
he looked pretty good. He picked up a TKO in round four against Jose Aguiar. That's, of course, the pro debut there for Joe Cordina, the 2016 Olympian from Wales. A good fighter, him, and a decent win makes, you know, gets a, gets a stoppage on his debut, which is always, always very good. Um, I do want to say this. He was the only guy on the televised bill to get a knockout for the entire matchroom card. Now, last week, Lawrence Okoli was the only guy to get a knockout for the entire matchroom card. So, it's it's been two bills back-to-back, and we've seen a hell of a lot of fights go the distance. And I know that, you know, sometimes that means that it's a really evenly matched fight, and, you know, it, it's, that's ultimately what we do want to see, but we want to see a little bit of excitement. I think the last two week shows haven't been full of excitement. I wasn't even really looking forward to the main event, as I've expressed quite a few times. Martin Murray against Rosado, I think they're both at the end of their careers, really. I think they're both pretty much shot. I don't think any of them have got a chance of winning the world title, and I really like both guys, by the way. I'm just being brutally honest. Um, So yeah, the two Olympians who have you know, Caldina made his debut and Lawrence Okoli had his second fight. They were the guys who got the knockouts and they were in there against pure, pure journeymen. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a shame to see that. We do want to see a bit of excitement from the more seasoned pros, but we haven't been getting that. Um, that's it for, for, for that one. Moving up the undercard, Sean Dodd, he took on Lee Appleyard. This one was for the vacant Commonwealth light weight title again i said i wasn't actually watching this fight i was busy doing other things um i wanted sean dodd to win i didn't really know too much about lee Appleyard, but sean dodd has been on the receiving end of a few decisions that haven't really seemed too fair i think he was due some luck and he got it here so decent win for him over the 12 and of course his record now 13 and 2 with one draw lee Appleyard 10 and 3 Moving up the undercard now, a fight that we predicted, as the first fight that we predicted of the review in Rocky Field in 23-1. and one, He took on John Ryder, 24-3. and three. Uh, This one was always going to be a good fight, we thought so, going in. John Ryder was a man who we really like on this show. He's not. It's not a case of was. He is a man that we really like on this show. We knew that he was up against it a little bit, a real test at super middleweight. Um... You know, we said last week, we made a prediction on it. I had to be honest, I thought he was going to lose by a, by a stoppage. I thought Rocky Fielding would take him out maybe in the later rounds. You went with Rocky Fielding to win on points, so that closes the gap. It was 4-3 on the predictions. It's now 4-4 at the moment, but there's one more that I've got to tell the listeners about before the show's up. Um, yeah, so Rocky Fielding won by a split decision after 12 rounds. He also picks up the British super middleweight title, which was vacant at the start of the fight. Uh, Rocky Fielding now 24-1. and John Ryder 24-4. and um, Yeah, Rocky Fielding just looked a little bit too big for him. I think that John Ryder had spells in the fight where he was fighting really good. He was pressuring Rocky Fielding. Rocky Fielding tired, but seemed to get a little bit of a second wind. Um, John Ryder looked to hurt him a few times. I think it was in one of the late rounds, maybe round, might have been round 8, 9 or 10, something like that where he seemed to not get saved by the bell, but the bell came at a great time for Rocky Fielding. He was in a, in a, in a bit of trouble, really. And um, he was being overwhelmed a little bit, but in terms of the size and the strength, Rocky Fielding was the bigger man. When he was keeping things behind the jab, he was doing well. You know, he doesn't really seem to fight up close so great. And John Ryder put up a real valiant effort, but it just wasn't to be. But some people thought he won. So, uh 
you know, possibly we could see a rematch there. Uh, that's it for that one. Moving up to the main event now. Martin Murray, 34-4 and with one draw, took on Gabriel Rosado, 23-10. and Gabriel Rosado is now 23-11. and Martin Murray's 35-4 and with one draw. Martin Murray also picked up the vacant WBA Intercontinental Middleweight title. Ayaz, I know that you watched this fight. Um, I watched it too. I didn't really think it was too exciting. I didn't really think it lived up to what they were trying to say. You know, people were saying it was going to be an out-and-out war. I didn't really think it it was too much of a war. I think it was a close fight, but, you know, it wasn't like a, a gruelling contest that, that some people thought it would be. I think it, it didn't really deliver. What, what was your thoughts on it, Ayaz? I agree with what you say. When I first got the, when I first heard this fight was being announced, Martin Murray and Gabriel Rosado, I go, wow, this is a fight now. This is what you call a growing tear-up. We know Rosado's been in some tough fights with uh, with Golovkin, so has um, Martin Murray. We've seen Rosado fight uh, Willie Monroe Jr. He had a fight with him, had a brilliant fight with him. And we see, we thought, yeah, this fight's going to be all blooded, like, um, like knockdowns and fight of the year. But... To be honest, it failed his expectations. This this fight, Rosado Rosado did good. Rosado did okay, but in my opinion, the fight, um, in my opinion, went to Murray. But I'll tell you something. This the result was disgusting when when the judge gave it 119-109. In my opinion, that judge, I don't know what he was watching, but that that shouldn't have been 119-109. No, it was a disgraceful decision. I think everybody there agreed with that. Um. It, you know, Martin Murray's attitude after the fight, he was just like, you know, he, he was like, I won that easy, I won that easy, you know, I, I, like, the, the some, was it one of the, yeah, one, one judge gave it a draw, I think, I can't remember what judge that was, like, he does refereeing as well, he's completely slipped my mind at the moment, might have been Howard Foster. Uh, it might have just been he's always where there's some controversy but it wasn't a controversial card it was it was it was that kind of fight i think there might have been one round in it maybe two being generous it was a closest fight um i didn't score it but you know martin murray went on like he won it like it was some sort of shutout it wasn't you know his attitude struck me and the way he was acting like that straight away when rosado feels like he should have got the nod and rightly so um you know you can't help but sort of when he's being all brash and like dismissive of 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 what Rosado had done over the course of the fight, you can't really blame Rosado for reacting the way he did. It did get a bit heated, you know. They had their gloves off, and Rosado seemed to take a swing at him. It was all a bit it was all a bit funny, but that was only because Rosado went over to. I thought it was the referee at first. I thought he went over to. Um, Sorry, not the referee. One of the judges and said like that was disgraceful. But he looked like he actually went over to Eddie Hearn and was shouting it. But Martin Murray decided to walk over there and say some more, and that's when it really got heated. I didn't like that. I think Martin Murray was uh, a little bit, you know, he won the fight. He shouldn't be sort of in a bad mood about that. He should be happy. But uh, especially when he, I'm not saying he was lucky to win it, but he was quite fortunate to win it, especially as wide as one of the judges had it, as you just said, I as. But no, you know. I don't know what's next for Martin Murray. And, you know, do you know, I'd like to see Martin Murray take on someone like Paul Smith. I think that's a good fight. I think they're both really, they're not on that world level. They're not. They're, they're just not. Um, I'll tell you something, right? Eddie Hearn um, said in the iPhone TV, I was watching, I think, and he said that, yes, um, they're going to talk to uh, Matthew Macklin about getting him another world title shot, but with Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, I mean, that's a fight that I 
can't see happening, obviously. Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren um, making a deal like that. And Martin Murray is not a big draw. You know, the champion's Billy Joe Saunders. And Eddie Hearn always says, because he's got the backing of Sky and all that, that his fighters have got much more, you know, bigger fan bases. People know who they are. I understand that. He's right a lot of times about that. You know, he says it about... um, you know about Crawler and and um, and and Flanagan. Crawler's a much bigger name than Flanagan. We all know it. But Flanagan is the one who's got the belt right now. But in this situation, Martin Murray, I think that Billy Joe Saunders is a much bigger name than Martin Murray, and he's got the belt. So I think the offer that Frank Warren would probably throw his way would be a fair enough offer. But I think that they'd be too. You know, I think they think too big of themselves to take a fight like that. But we'll have to see. Money talks and we'll have to see. But I don't even know if I'd like to see that fight. I think that would be quite boring. I don't think that, you know, Martin Murray's very durable. I don't think that Billy Joe's got that much power. and I don't really see him putting him away or anything or dropping him. So I think that would be a pretty boring fight. And plus, Billy Joe being a southpaw, I think he just danced rings around him. So, yeah, I couldn't really see that being a great fight. But... Hey, it's uh, you know I suppose it's a it's an all British affair, and you know I'd definitely watch it for sure. But that's it. We're going to leave the Echo Arena card there. We're going to move over to uh, the final bill in the UK. A bit of a shock loss this one over in the Tudor Range Leisure Centre in Solihull, West Midlands, United Kingdom. Top of the bill, big sexy Sean Turner, ten and zero, perfect record, going in there against Camille Sokolowski. I think I'm saying his name right. Sokolowski's record three and nine with two draws. He won on points, so he's given Sean Turner his first loss. His record now ten and one. A real tough loss there to lose against someone who's got the record of three and nine. I understand that the guy is pretty underrated. I don't know much about him, but you know. Nonetheless, on paper, that's that's a bad, bad loss there for, for, for Sean Turner. But we're going to leave that there. Moving over now to the StubHub Center in Carson, California. We're going to start with the undercard. This was the bill that happened over on Box Nation. It started at 2 in the morning. Uh, there was a bill that started on Sky at 2 in the morning as well. So it was like clash, clash early and then clash, clash late with the with the four bills on TV in the UK. Um I'm going to start with the Gilberto Ramirez fight. He took on Max Bursak. Again, I said last week, Max Bursak was a man that was being drawn in to fight Billy Joe Saunders. He got the crack at a WBO world title, but it was up at super middleweight against Gilberto Ramirez, who, you know, a lot of people say he's the best super middleweight in the world. Um, He didn't fight. I wouldn't say he didn't fight like the best, but he didn't seem overly impressive. He took him the whole 12... Uh, the whole 12 rounds. He won unanimously. Gilberto Ramirez now 35-0. and Bursak was deducted a point in round 5 and another point in another round. I can't remember which round it was. And both of those points were taken away for excessive holding. Um, the first point, which was took away in round 5, I thought was very, very harsh. I think the referee didn't even really warn him. He just took, a, took away a point. So, in you know, I think it was something like 106 to one. To, to 120 so you know we don't really like to see that it's, it was very very wide it was it was one-sided but Gilberto Ramirez did the whole fight in first gear he didn't really step it up I suppose he didn't really need to but it wasn't very exciting it was another you know long distance fight that really I thought I expected a little bit more so I was a little bit you know it left me a little bit 
a little bit uh, deflated after that fight, but there was more fights to come, of course. Uh, we saw Jesse Magdaleno take on Adilson Dos Santos, also on that bill. Jesse Magdaleno, 24-0, Dos Santos, 18-2. One of those two losses was to Kid Galahad, just before he got his suspension from boxing. Uh, this one was also for a WBO world title. This one was at Super Bantamweight. Um, Dos Santos was down twice in the second round. Uh, and he got stopped in round uh, round two. It was a KO in round two. So a good win on paper there for Jesse Magdaleno, now 25-0. But Dos Santos seemed to be stopped a little bit quick, in my opinion. I thought that, um, you know, he knocked the guy down. Magdaleno knocked the guy down. But but in the same round, he knocked him down again. But it was it was a weird one because he he kind of hit him and and he kind of like he ducked down and then but he wasn't going down. But then Magdaleno hit him in the back of the head, kind of punched him like in the back of the head down to the canvas. So he kind of punched him to the floor. Uh, the guy got back up straight away as well. Dos Santos he got straight up. And, you know, he, he seemed to be pretty fine. He knew where he was and everything. And the referee just stopped it. So, for me, it was a little bit premature. But definitely a good fight anyway. I don't think Dos Santos had much of a chance. Uh, that You could see a bit of a depth in class already. But it was early for me, the stoppage there. But, nonetheless, Jesse Magdaleno with another win. Um, top of the bill on that one. Oscar Valdez took on Miguel Mariaga. Both men could bang. Both men were pretty much, you know, they're definitely in the top couple at... At featherweight, uh, this one was for the WBO World Featherweight title. Obviously, Oscar Valdez being the champion, Mariaga kind of known as the puncher, but Oscar Valdez actually having the the higher knockout ratio or percentage, I should say. Um, yeah, they they both fought. It was it was a good fight in round ten. I will say, Oscar Valdez. He was in a lot of trouble in round 10. Mar Miguel Mariaga was, was coming on really strong in that late round. It was it was a real good fight. And Ayaz, if you haven't seen this fight, you need to watch round 10. Some were saying it was, you know, one of the best rounds you'll ever see. I think that might be a little bit far. But, you know, Mariaga was all over Valdez. He was absolutely swarming him, you know. Real, like, he, was, he had him in trouble. It looked like, you know, it looked like something was about to happen then. Uh, Valdez hits him with a hook. I think it might have been a left hook and completely floored Mariaga. Then he got back up, but um, a great, great round 10. And Valdez ended up winning on a unanimous decision after 12 rounds. So he defends his belt again. And of course, he's now 22-0. and And after the fight, Oscar Valdez called out all the other champions. He said he's ready for Gary Russell in a unification. He mentioned Lee Selby as well. Those are fights I'd definitely love to see. And there's one last fight to mention on that bill as well, actually. The debut of Shakur. Shakur Stevenson, he made his debut, he picked up a technical decision win in round six, it was scheduled for six, it was at featherweight, it was a weird one, he won every round against his opponent Edgar Brito, uh, Brito was cut in the second round from an accidental headbutt, um, and it was weird, the ringside physician stopped the bout at the beginning of the final round, which was round six, and I don't really know why, I think it might have been a cut, Maybe the cut in round two. But I didn't think that the cut looked bad. It was a real, real weird one. Like, they cleaned it up. And after they cleaned it up, as soon as the, the round was about to begin, the, the doctor jumps in and uh, and stops it. And it, it was a real strange one. It was like, you know, I don't like to say it, but it was almost like they just needed Shakur Stevenson to pick up a knockout on his debut. So, 
you know, he gets a technical decision. It was it was a, a real mishap, but uh, a good win nonetheless. He won every round, and Shakur Stevenson's now 1-0. He's a young guy, and I tell you what, his lateral movement, when I see these young guys and their lateral movement, it's exciting. You know, you, you understand, they, they kind of find these guys who are big, they can punch hard, you know, that their movement's okay, their boxing skills can, can be polished up, and they turn on pro. But this guy, he... He was expecting a lot of punches coming back at him, and he didn't look nervous one bit. You know, he fought like he'd had a bunch of pro fights, and like I say, he's he's, he's pretty rare because he expected this guy to fire back. The guy had a record of three and two with one draw, and the guy did come to give it a go, but he just got absolutely outclassed in every single area of his game. But a good win there for Shakur Stevenson. And that's it for the StubHub Center in Carson, California. A great, great venue for boxing. Moving over now to the last bill of the reviewing. Obviously, there were so many fights on last week. We're going to start with the female WBO bantamweight clash. Uh, the world title, obviously. Amanda Serena was on the bill. Her record 31-1 and with one draw. She took on Dahiana Santana who had a record of 35-8. and Amanda Serena won by TKO in round 8. It was scheduled for 10 two-minute rounds. She didn't need those. A good win there for Amanda Serena. Showed a bit of power there as well, which is always good for the women boxing. It doesn't happen too much. Um, also on that bill, Jamel Charlo took on Charles Hatley. Jamel Mel Charlo put his WBC World Super Welterweight title on the line against Charles Hatley. Charles Hatley 26-1 with one draw. Jamel Charlo 28-0. What a fight, Ayers. This is, um, you know, we've got to remember, this is the brother that people say, including myself, that he's not as talented as Jamel Charlo. And I think that I stick by that. But I tell you what, he showed some class. And I tell you what, he's ready for unification, that guy. What a win there over Charles Hatley. What did you make of it? What a knockout first. He he boxed very good. I can he he's more aggressive compared to his brother. And when he came like he let his, when he let his hands go, you can see that he dropped um, Hatley twice and then obviously knocked him out in the sixth round. But I tell you what, it was, it was a very good knockout. Yeah, very very good. Um, you, you know, you say he's the more aggressive. Yeah, that's possibly true. I think he's a little bit less of a thinker. I think he's a little bit less composed. I think that he. You know, when he senses a bit of a bit of danger, I think he really goes for it. Like I don't think his shot selection's as good as his brother's, but they fight a little bit different. You know, they fight a little bit different. His brother was in his corner. He got in there and he did the business. And Hatley came and gave it a go. He really, really did. But Charlo just looked at you know a class above. He, he just did. And I think that the Charlo brothers, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> they're the two best brothers in boxing right now. They're both talented. They're both talented beyond belief at the moment, especially as they were both in the same division. Now they're just a division apart. But, you know, that can set up unifications now. He also called out the other guys in the division to have unifications. He said that my brother's old title now belongs to Jarrett Hurd. And he he called him out and said, you know, I'm ready for that fight. I'll, I'll take that. Obviously, he wouldn't fight his brother. So, you know, now his brother's vacated. He wants his old belt. He wants to keep it in the Charlo family. And I can't blame him for doing so. And I think that's a fight he'd definitely go in as a favourite. But, yeah, really, really exciting future for both Charlos. It remains that way after last week as well. Hatley was down in round three, as you alluded to, Ayaz. And, uh, obviously, in round six, he was put out for good. And it was a bad knockout. It really was... He, he just, I think he hit him with a good shot and jumped all over him and just forced a stoppage. Um, Hatley was, was frying shots as he got knocked unconscious and he was down for a while and it wasn't a pleasant sight, but a brutal knockout. What I didn't like is Jamel Charlo climbed up on the ropes and, and was shouting out, 
he was shouting out what seemed to he seemed like he said sleep sleep and that's a bit like you know that's that's a bit it's not very nice you know I, I don't really like to see that I like to see good sportsmanship especially after a contest has finished whether it's football whether it's whatever sport it's, it's not good to see um, you know pretty pretty horrible things you wouldn't want your opponent to stay asleep that's that's a horrible thing to say I think that was pretty bad from him I think maybe one of his PRs or whatever needs to get in his ear about that but that's it for that one moving over now to the main event Sean Porter 26-2 and two with one draw taking on Andre Berto 31-4 and four. This one was at welterweight, obviously. This was always going to be a good fight. We were looking forward to it. We both made a prediction on it as well as, again, we both made our predictions on it. Firstly, before I give my opinion on it, what did you make of it? This was a very good fight. Now, I'll even watch this fight was the Gilberto Ramez, but I like the welterweight division, so I wanted to see the welterweight clash between Porter and Burt. But I'll tell you something. For me, yeah... um, before this fight started, I was like, yeah, if Berto wins this fight, his career should be, it'll be back on track. If not, I reckon he should hang up the gloves. And this is a must-win fight. This this, this fight was a must-win fight for both of these two. Firstly, if Porter won, he would have been back on track. And if Berto won, he would have been on the same position. Now, from the start, right, yeah, you can see Porter was just going for it. Like, every Porter fight that I've seen him, he plays very dirty. Like, when he's, when he's boxing, he's very dirty. And you can see the head clashes, like within the second round, right? They both, um, Berto had a very disgusting clash. And you can see on Porter's eye as well. And within this third round, Porter, Porter knocked down Berto. And then from there, it was just Porter all the way. And then obviously in the ninth round, right, um, uh, Porter dropped him again and the referee had to stop it because of the cut as well. But I'll tell you what, now, and now obviously Porter is mandated to fight um, for the w, WBA, um, uh, sorry, WBC, um, uh, WBC World Away Champion, and now he's got he's mandatory to fight Keith Thurman. But however, Keith Thurman wants to fight the winner of Brook and Spence. Yeah, it's it's a great situation the world awaits. It always has been, you know, a real hotbed of talent up there. Um, firstly, thoughts on on the fight. Sean Porter is a dog, isn't he? he? He's all over his opponents all the time. He absolutely swarms them. And uh, he, I thought he was going to be too much for Berto at this point in his career. And he was. But in parts, Berto did really well, I thought, at countering him. And um, he landed clever shots as well. Sneaky little shots, Berto. He did better than I thought. I didn't think it would go as far as what it did. Um, we also learned a little bit there that Porter is not very good fighting going backwards okay he swarms opponents going forward only um when he was going back in in the times that that berto did back him up which again was was promising signs because no one really can back him up he's so strong sean paul he's like a little ball or, or a little pit ball or whatever you want to say but he's yeah he's a hard he's got a hard style to look good against he's very rough he's got to wash his head though and he had berto down in round two and as i say i really thought he was going to be stopped not too long after that but he had him down twice in round nine and yeah you know i flicked it on and it was on live and it was in like round five and i thought oh god you know jesus and i had to wind it back to watch it because again the scheduling of the two channels it was a bit wild i actually had to watch the uh the jamel charlo fight on sunday about five o'clock six p.m on sunday so i didn't even see that fight till till at least 24 hours later or so so uh yeah it's not good when there's loads of fights on at the same time, but it was great. It was a great weekend of boxing. It really, really was. And I think that's it for Berto as well. I don't think... I've known for a while he's not world level anyway. He's got no chance of winning another world title. Um, 
Sean Porter, as you alluded to again, I has he's the WBC mandatory. He was the WBA mandatory before, got a shot. I think he was the mandatory. He got a shot at Keith Furman. Obviously, it was a great fight. He lost, though. Now he's going to be, well, he's mandated again to fight him, WBC. Um, there's a there's a few guys at the top. You've got, you've got, you know, you've got Porter, you've got Furman, you've got Errol Spence, you've got Brooke, you've got Danny Garcia. In my opinion, Ayers, I would love to see uh, I'd love to see Keith Furman fight the winner of Brooke and Spence, and I'd love to see Danny Garcia fight Sean Porter. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant fight. A great, great fight. They're like a little super six or something there. Remember, Manny Pacquiao's also in the mix as well, but he's taking on Jeff Horn. But uh, yeah, definitely a great, great division. But that's it for the Barclays Centre. That's it for the review. And we've done all the talking. I know it's gone on pretty long, but there was so much to go over. It's now time to speak to someone who was a part of last weekend's fights. He was a part of it. He was a part of it with a bang. He got another knockout. If you don't know it's already... You will in a moment. It's time to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man simply known as The Beast. It's, of course, Mr. Anthony Yard. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hi. Yeah, my man, I'm very good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Hey, I'm good, man. Just resting up now. Okay, man, wicked. So, Anthony, of course, you fought last weekend on the undercard of Langford Kurt Sidzi. Uh, you took on Darren Snow. The fight ended inside the first round. Obviously, that happens quite a lot in your fights. What did you make of it, Anthony? Well, um, it was just for me. It was just another fight. Um, every everyone I get in the ring with, I take seriously because um, you don't know what person's going to show up. It was, it was another fight for me, really. Um, I just take every fight seriously as it comes. Whoever's in front of me, I just feel like I've got a job to do, so I've got the job done. And obviously, now you've moved to double-digit wins, 10-0, with nine knockouts, five inside the first round. It was funny, Anthony, because, as you all know, there was two shows on last weekend in the UK on TV. You had Frank's show yeah. on, you had Eddie's show on. You were obviously on Frank's show, and... Um, I was switching over, like you know, from one from one channel to the other, watching them both. And then, as soon as your fight ended, I I, I went straight over to Sky, and then you was on the TV <laughs> there on an advert. I didn't know what was going on for a minute. How was that? You're you're the face of Maxi Muscle now. How's that for you? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic, man. Um, um, I just believe in yeah, work hard. Um, you have a pure heart. I've got a, I've got a good heart. Everyone knows. Everyone that knows me knows I've got a good heart. Um, and yeah, good things come to you, man. So. Um, and also another thing as well is not having fear that and saying to yourself that you can't do something. Um, people are saying to me, "Oh, you can't be on both channels, or you can't um, if you if you go with if you go with one person, you can't ever be seen with the other person." Like, I, I actually know um, Eddie Hearn, um, like to, to say hello to him and stuff like that. Um, and Frank Warren is my promoter, and I'm very, very, very close to Frank Warren. So um, a lot of people have their opinion, but they don't know nothing. So they always have their have their say. And say, oh yeah, you can't do this, you can't do that. People start tweeting Frank Warren and tweeting Eddie Hearn saying, Anthony's on Sky, do you know about this and things like that. So it just shows you people's frame, um, man frame. They just don't want, they don't want to see people doing good. They always see that there's a problem, to, like there's a problem with something. So, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that um, we've, got, we've, got, we've got it done. Um, it's, it's good publicity for me. Um, and yeah, it's just all around a good, a good look for me, Maximus, and everyone else involved. 
Yeah, it absolutely is. It's funny you should you should say that about people tweeting. That is crazy. I didn't know that. Uh, obviously, Anthony, you were actually coming off. I, I don't know if you knew this, but you were coming off of your longest layoff. It was only four months because you've been you know, you know yeah. you've been pretty active. It's, four months has been your longest layoff. Can it be frustrating sometimes, Anthony, when you train as hard as you do and you get in there with a fighter and they? They they kind of seem like they want to look for a way out as soon as you land the first hard shot. No disrespect to any of your opponents in particular, but yeah. sometimes it does seem that. It seems like you land a shot and people are just waiting to find an opportunity to get out of it. Is that a little bit frustrating for you when it ends so quickly like that? Well, um, to me, sometimes they say it might look that way, but then um, the people that are saying that ain't getting hit by, hit by the punches. Um, sometimes when I'm sparring, when I turn up in sparring, um, I get the same kind of result, and that's a 16 ounce gloves like that. But some people that have a box before, they don't know what gloves, 10 ounce gloves, saw that. Um, and I, 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 I'm actually a person that, like, when, when I play, if, if I'm a person that was just swinging and throwing random punches, then yeah, a hard hit I can, like, can go some rounds. But when I'm landing clean shots, or I'm setting up certain shots and landing them clean, you can't really um, blame my opponent for, the, um, for going down because. Nine people out of ten will go down if, if a certain shot is landed. So um, maybe that is cool. they might not have good defence. Um, some people are thought they've been well up for it. Um, you land a good shot, you see in their eyes that they're gone, that they, they, they're just gone. That sometimes will where the ref stops it. There's been a, a one or two times where the, I think the ref stops it a bit early, but then obviously the, the result looks inevitable. That's probably why the referee does their job and stops it. Um, I'm not really a critic of my opponents. You know, they... They they class right now as gentlemen. Um, who's put in front of me is not my fault as well. We do, we do try and get certain opponents. We'll, the problem is will people fight me? Um, we had Nathan King um, in in the pipe down. He agreed to fight, and then I think it was a week before the fight. Um, so the, the literally the Saturday before I fought, um, he come and said um, there's no way I'm fighting like that. So um, you know you, you can't. It's like a a women's situation. This is why I train so hard. So, um, yeah, it ain't really frustrating for me. I just think it's like, I'm doing my job. There's so many people that fight the same opponents that I fight that don't knock them out or struggle with them or they get landed on me. Or, there's so many um, aspects to look at it. I just focus on myself, how I'm performing, and right now I'm happy the way I'm performing, regardless of who's in front of me. Yeah, and as you mentioned there, you just mentioned... Um... Obviously, you just mentioned there, Nathan King. You know, he's been in with a, quite a few of the domestic... The guys kind of on that in that light heavyweight domestic level, you know, like Jose Burton and uh, Dex Spellman, for example, someone that you're being linked pretty close with. He fought so, James Vigo as well. He fought James Vigo as well, who's a world champion. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, yeah, I'm just sort of concentrating on the light heavyweights that he's fought. But, okay, yeah. yeah, it's, um, you know, you're in and around that mix, and it would have been good. If that fight did come off, we'd have seen it would have been like a measuring stick fight to see. But obviously, he didn't want no part of it, so I think that speaks for itself. Um, Anthony, I do want to ask you, you're, you're, you're next fighting on the Davis and Walsh bill, that's right, on the 20th of May, is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah okay, correct, yeah. so... Yeah, so you're t- you're taking on Chris Hobbs on the- on that night. This is your chance to win your first pro title, as he's the Southern Area light heavyweight champion. Do you know much about him, Anthony? I don't know. <laughs> simple as that. I, li- I literally don't. Yeah, I always keep it as simple as that. I don't know anything about him. Um, <laughs> all I do know about him is that he's got a belt, um, and right now he's the he's the 
um, Southern Area champion, which I have to respect. Um, again, I don't take no one lightly. I'm going to train for him the same way I train for everybody else. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see an exciting night on May 10th. Now we all think, Anthony, that you've got the potential to go on to do really, really big things in the sport of boxing. I know that the Southern Area title's on your mind at the moment. Obviously, we just said there May 20th. But when do you think we will see you maybe fighting at English or British level? I feel like I can I can fight at that level now. Um, is is that my job to look at? It's not my job. So if, if, if anyone wants to know the route I'm going to go down. Um, just to speak to management and promoter because some the reason I'm not focusing on it because times change and things always change. I could I could fight for the British in my next fight, win it, and then fight for a world title, and then it could just be that oh my gosh, no one's I'm gonna see it happening that quick. So sometimes though you can't you can't always over plan things and say I'm gonna go this way, I'm gonna go that way because sometimes you're not in control. So I just I take each fight as it comes, I focus on the fight as it comes, and then I deal with it. Or, or, uh, and I deal with it in the best fashion that I know how. So I'm um, confusing myself or putting stress on myself saying, am I going to do it in this amount of time or when am I going to do it or what, what route am I going to take? That's not really something that I'll really focus on. I'll just focus on doing my job. If I keep doing my job, the, way, the reason I've got to this level or where I'm at so far is because I've focused on each job as it comes. And um, eventually, the opportunity is going to come and it's, it's whether you take it or not. There's loads of people been in the past or been in big prospects um, like myself knocking at everyone and everyone's talking about them and they get their chance and they say, oh, it was too early or he had no amateur experience or um, he wins the fight and they say, oh, yeah, I knew he was going to win the fight. So, um, really true, that's not something that I really focus on because in my mind, so the mind frame I've got is that it's going to happen one way or another. So I just got to know, I know what I have to do to get there and that's continue to work hard, keep putting on good performances and stay focused. So as long as I do that, it's going to happen eventually. So that's my that's my job to just stay focused. Yeah, fair enough. Well said. Um, I do want to ask you this. You, uh, you, you. I believe that I heard something anyway that that Bernard Hopkins approached you and said that he knew all about you. Is that right? Oh yeah. When, when I fought in um, Dallas, Texas, um, we had a weigh-in. Um, like I said, he was giving, giving, we gave each other the nod because obviously Bernard Hawkins, uh, he's a legend. Um, every, like, I didn't really speak to Oscar too much. It was just I shook his hand and stuff. But Bernard Hawkins, I had a, yeah, I had a good conversation with him in the bathroom um, where I, he met my little brother and things like that. And he was just saying to me, I'm doing very well. This was um, before I fought. He said, I'm doing very well. Um, he's looking forward to seeing me, etc. Uh, I said, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. You know who I am? He goes, Yeah, of course. That like, um, people. Certain people over there know who I am, etc. So he goes, I'll oh, keep up, keep it up. And then obviously, I was speaking to my brother, I wouldn't take a picture of my brother, etc. But my phone battery died, etc. So to come and find the master. So it's like, it was a good thing to get recognized. And also, I think he spoke to um, uh, Frankie's all about um, some some of his prospects. And again, I've got, I think I've got mentioned. So it's, it's all good and positive things. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Good to hear. And obviously, we're closing in now on the big one this weekend. Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko is finally here. We've been waiting for it for a long time. I'm asking everybody, to be honest, who I speak to about this fight. It's going to be the last time we speak before it happens. What's your thoughts on it, Anthony? Who wins? Um, well, we have to go with the Brit. Um, I'll go with Anthony Joshua um, by knockout. Um, I think in all aspects, Joshua can win this fight because I believe he is tough. Um, there's been 
questions about his chin, meaning he's been knocked out in sparring, etc. But that's sparring. Lennox Lewis got dropped in sparring. Mike Tyson got dropped in sparring. Um, these are heavyweights, so when they hit each other, it's, it's big shots. But um, what matters is what what matters is what comes on fighting that. So, um, so far, Joshua hasn't been, you know, really tested in a way in terms of opponents. Except for when Dylan White hit him, but um, if he can treat Vladimir Klitschko with no respect and go go out there and attack him, he can get Klitschko out of there. And then again, that's um, Joshua gone clear in terms of like, you know, he's made history already in terms of being the first British heavyweight to win a, um, a world title. Um, he's selling out arenas and he's, he's, his name's big over here. His name's big in America or getting bigger in America. And the show in itself is being aired on Showtime and, and um, HBO. So that's massive. So um, if he can deal with the pressure, because boxing is all about pressure, and um, the bigger the fight, the bigger the pressure, etc. If he can deal with the pressure and do his job, um, I believe he can win the fight. The only thing I do say is that he needs to be careful of Vladimir's um, lead left hook. He's got a very sneaky, the same hook he knocked out pull level with. Um, and from what I've seen of some of Joshua's fights, he's he's a bit um, suspect of um, blocking a, a good left hook. So um, that's the only criticism I'll give. But other than that, I feel like in every other aspect, Joshua's younger, he's fresher, um, he's probably more hungry. Um, he wants he wants it more because, you know, Klitschko has been there, done it. He's a legend already. He's fought with the best people. Um, he's had his career. So I think Joshua's next in line, so I'll, I'll, I'll go with Joshua. Ooh, what a fighter, a real fighter we're all looking forward to. And uh, finally, before I let you go, Anthony, just wanted to really give you a chance to uh, to send out a message to any of your fans that may be listening, anybody that you know follows your career, yeah. anybody in particular. Um, well, everybody really. First, the first thing I want to do is just thank all the people that have helped me, um, and that's my trainer Tunde Ajayi, and he's been a major part of my career so far. Tony Cisse, who was my amateur coach, um, Simba, Imba. He was the guy that I first ever went to when I wanted to start boxing in the first place. Um, and then again, the list goes on. People that don't need to be mentioned, but they know I've got them. Um, and then also people that sponsor me, Maximus All. Again, they've been fabulous with me. We've got a very, very, very good relationship. And um, Raynham still. Um, and of course, the big promotion um, team behind me, um, Frank Warren Promotions, um, Box Nation, and now as well, BT Sports. So um, if I've missed anyone, I apologise, but mainly they're the people that helped me get here. And then most importantly, all the fans that are out there that are supporting me, following me, watching my fights, um, getting behind me, supporting me, promoting me, um, reposting my stuff, etc. The love that I feel for everybody doing that is unconditional. It's hard to reply to everyone, but you know um, everyone knows about boxing, so um, it's not a mainstream sport yet, and it's hard to get people to actually be interested in it and follow it and promote it etc so the people that are doing it um, yeah big love man thank you and also yourself as well you know for um, giving me interviews and things like that so yeah thank you to everybody hey man you deserve it believe me okay listen Anthony <laughs> it's always a pleasure my friend you know that thanks for speaking to us and I'll see you soon uh, thank you brother I'll see, see you soon Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. There's a lot to talk about, of course. Hashtag 90,000. But before we get on to that, we're going to go over to Ayaz with this week's latest boxing news. Jamie Cox has signed with Matram Boxing. Yeah, it's a strange move. We knew that there was a few... Um, I don't think his relationship with Frank Warren was too good towards the end. I don't... 
you know, it was a little bit unsure of what was going on there. Jamie Cox obviously had a, had his few problems outside of the ring. We had him on this show actually not too long ago, a few months back now, and um, yeah, he kind of just was in the limber a little bit. His last fight was one of those fights where you know the referee nearly threw both the fighters out. It was very very messy. It was a real dirty fight. Both men had points taken off. God knows how many points taken off. About about four four five points each. It was really really dirty. And, um, you know, we just didn't know what was going on. He was European champion. He's been knocking loads of people out. And he's looked really, really good. But you can't mention him in the same name of some of the other guys when it comes to exposure. You know, he's a great fighter. He might be able to beat some of these guys. You know, he definitely, you know, he's, he really wants to fight these guys. He's ready for world level. He truly, truly is. Like, you know, in his head, he really is. And I'm not doubting his talent. Maybe he can do that. But... He's he's not known like some of these guys. Like people talk about him and Chris Eubank Jr. Chris Eubank Jr. is a, um, you know mainly it's because his father is a big name. He's a big name as well. But these other guys in and around that middleweight division, th- there's a lot of guys with much bigger names. And the reason of that, I don't know if it was because he was with Box Nation. I don't know if it was because of his you know the the choices he made outside of the ring and his troubles outside of the ring. But now he's with Eddie Hearn. I can see him being fast tracked into something big. And you know I think he's with the right man in Eddie Hearn. And you know no disrespect to Frank Warren there whatsoever. He did a good job with him. I think he's got to twenty one and oh. But Eddie Hearn is good at picking up fighters with long unbeaten streaks and moving them on to something big. You know, he, he kind of, I think he's going to do a good job with Jamie Cox. I sent him a message. I sent him all the best. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what's next for him because he is one of the best kept secrets in British boxing, to be completely honest. And finally, Huey Fury has been has pulled out from the Joseph Parker fight. Yes, it was scheduled for May the 6th, which is only next weekend. But, um, you know, we had Peter Fury on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I believe that they were supposed to turn up um, sometime in the last few days to fight. Or not to fight, but they were going to turn up in New Zealand. And I don't think they were there when they was expected to arrive. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much friends with the, the, the promotional team behind... Uh, Joseph Parker, Duco events, and you know they 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 sort of let us know that they were a bit sceptical of the fight taking place. They wondered where the Furies were. I don't think they could they could get in touch with them. And then it, all of a sudden, it comes out with you know they come out with an injury. You know, I was speaking to Peter Fury, and you, you wouldn't sense anything in there that he was being. You know, he wasn't being truthful or he was trying to hide something or anything. It seemed to be really genuine. So hopefully the injury is genuine. But, you know, people people are always quick to jump the gun. And I think that the Parker team are very disappointed. They think, or they're saying they're not surprised. They're also saying that they're, they're not too sure about the, you know, if it's a genuine injury or not. So we hope it is a genuine injury. We just hope he's not out for too long. But he's got a replacement opponent, Hayes, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna say this piece of news because I don't think you know about this. But his opponent's already been replaced, and he will be fighting a man on the same date, which is good. So he will be defending his title, and it's a man who's ranked at number 14 in the WBO. So he gets. Uh, he gets a defence there, and um, the man, the man's name is Razvan Kojanu. Okay, his record is sixteen and two. Um, he's from Romania. I think he lives in the US. He's six foot seven and a half. 
He lost to he lost in 2015 to a guy called Donovan Dennis, who had a record of 11 and one. Uh, he also lost to well, he lost his debut in 2011. So you know it's it's you know it's not a great fight in all honesty, but. It's 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 a defence, you know. At least we see Joseph Parker in a fight. At least he's not inactive or anything. He, he likes to keep very active, Joseph Parker. And you know, it's it's not his fault. That's the main thing. But what I will say is, I don't know what's going to happen with Huey Fury. You know, it, a lot of people were very sceptical when when um, when Duco Events outbidded Frank Warren. A lot of people didn't think that they were actually going to go out there to fight him. Uh, fight, fight the champion in New Zealand, and I just, I just don't know what's going to happen if he's out of the ring for another, let's say, another three months or something with this injury. I think it's a lower back injury, something like that. If he's out the ring for another three months, in that time, Joseph Parker fights next weekend. He's going to win. He's going to win easy. He might need another three months or so. Huey is going to need to recover from his injury and then train. It might mean because Huey's already been out the ring for about about a year already, so. I think it's a year this week, actually. So, you know, by the time he's ready for it, it might end up being like a year and a half out the ring and he's going to just jump straight back in there and have the world title fight. I don't think that... I think that's a that, that's suicidal, I, I really think, for Huey Fury. So, you know, I'm interested in what happens. You know, I've got a lot of love for the Furies, as I've said on many occasions, and I wish them all the best. But um, I feel very, very sorry for Joseph Parker, to be honest, and most of the people that bought tickets for the fight, especially Fury fans, you know, to trek all the way around the world to the other side of the world um, for a fight that's not going to be happening. You don't get refunds on flights and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a bad thing for boxing, really, and we hope to see the fight rescheduled, but I just don't know if it's going to happen, in all honesty. It's, uh, It's a shame. Eddie Hearn's obviously been saying that he didn't think it was going to happen for quite a few weeks now, and it's you know he was right about that really. Whether he heard whispers or not, I'm not too sure. But that's it for the news, Ayaz. Uh, there's only two things there to talk about. We talked about it for a little bit too long. I'm going to try to fly through the preview part. Um, this one, the first card that we talk about, is just one fight to mention on this bill happening over in Bulgaria. An interesting one, a bit of a strange one. Kubrat Pulev. This one's on Friday night this week, by the way. So this is Friday the 28th of. April, um, Kubrat Pulev takes on Kevin Johnson, Kevin Kingpin Johnson, remember he retired from boxing for a little while after losing to Anthony Joshua by knockout, then he come back, I think he got a win like uh, about a month or two ago, and now he's in there against Kubrat Pulev in Bulgaria, he's going to lose this fight obviously, and um, I've just got a feeling Pulev won't knock him out, I've got a feeling that Kevin Johnson can probably be a little bit tricky and manage to see the final bell. But uh, we don't really want to see him boxing. But, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Kevin Johnson, uh, Kubrat Pulev has now fought. Kevin Johnson and Derek Chisora, both two guys that, you know, I just can't really see beating them having too much relevance. I know the Chisora's obviously coming off a good performance against against Dillian White, but he never had a chance in that Pulev fight. Pulev now 24-1, and Kevin Johnson 30-7 with one draw. This one's for the WBA Intercontinental Heavyweight title. That's it for Bulgaria. Moving over now to Mexico. One fight to mention over there. I didn't know it was happening, so I'm not too sure if it will happen, but it is listed. Brandon Rios, 33-3 and with one draw. Another man that we've had on this show before. Four world champion his opponent yet to be announced it's also yet to be announced how many rounds it's going to be but that's supposed to be at the gymnasio manuel bernardo aguirre in mexico so uh interesting if that happens we definitely need to give 
Bam Bam Rios I mentioned. And now the big fight card of the week. It's going to be the biggest fight in British boxing history. I mean that in terms of numbers, not in terms of the quality of the fight. For those hardcores that probably have got have got itchy itchy fingers and mouths about about me saying that. I understand. It is you know it's a big big fight. It's sold out. It is a ninety thousand people fight. People are going to be there. Wembley Stadium is huge, huge. We're going to start with the undercard, okay? We're going to start with the undercard. I'm not happy about this undercard, Ayaz. And I said it off air and I'm saying it now. This undercard is not what we want to see, okay? Um, there's six fights on the undercard, so it's a seven-fight bill. That's fair enough if all fights are quality. It's a big fight. We're bringing Klitschko over to the UK. I understand all that, but... On the undercard, Josh Kelly, okay, great fighter. You know, we got a lot of love for him. He takes on Fahim Khan. Fahim Khan, 9 and 10 with two draws. It's a four-rounder at welterweight. Josh Kelly's only 1 and 0. He's a good fighter, but he's only 1 and 0. He's only just turned over. He shouldn't really be kind of filling undercards, but okay, we'll leave that one. Joe Cordina, he's in there against a, a TBA, his opponents to be announced. He's 1 and 0 as well. He's in a four-rounder. Um... You know, two two guys, two Olympians, both just turned over. Do we really, you know, it's, they're just going to be in mismatch fights. We understand that's part of the process, but why are they all on this same bill? Lawrence Ocoli, 2-0. He takes on Russ Henshaw. That's the guy who was supposed to fight in his, it might have been his pro debut, I think. So that fight's been rescheduled. Re- Russ Henshaw, really, since he lost to, to Isaac Chamberlain, he's been a bit of a journeyman. That's a four-rounder as well. You know, these this, that's three Olympians on the bill. Um, Katie Taylor's on the bill as well, obviously, former Olympian. She's in a 10-rounder. This is good to see. She takes on Nina Minki, who has an unbeaten record of 5-0. and Obviously, Katie Taylor 4-0. and uh, That's at lightweight, obviously. I'm happy about that fight. I think that's a big step up for Katie Taylor. Fair enough. That's a good one. Luke Campbell's in there against Darlis Perez. That's a great, great fight. Real, real, real good fight. That's a very much a 50-50 fight. Luke Campbell 16-1. and Darlis Perez 33-2 and with two draws. Obviously, Darlis Perez was stopped by Anthony Crawler, but it's a good step up there for Luke Campbell. Scott Quigg 32-1 and with two draws. Takes on Viret or Viro, I think, Simeon, who has a record of 21 and 1. Now, most people don't know who Simeon is. Let me tell you about Simeon. His only loss is to Lee Selby. Lee Selby outpointed him um, for some sort of title. It was before he became world champion. He outpointed him at the O2 Arena, if I'm not mistaken, over 12 rounds. Okay, fair enough. If you lose to Lee Selby, that's you know that's fair enough. He's a great fighter, Lee Selby. Um, in his last fight, if I'm not mistaken, he took on Andoni Gargo. That's a name that you've probably heard a few times on this show in recent weeks. Andoni Gargo lost to Lee Selby on the, I think it was the Hey Bell you undercard. He absolutely schooled him and then knocked him out. Um, this opponent, Simeon, went the distance with Andoni Gargo, 12 rounds, and it was a very close fight. I think it was like he maybe won by like a round or or a point or something like that. It was a really close fight. So he's taking on Scott Quigg. Scott Quigg now being trained, obviously, by Freddie Roach. That's that's an exciting thing, I suppose. But this is not the kind of opponent we want to see him in there with. But I'm just not too happy with, with the card. I think Scott Quigg's in a pretty much an easy fight. Um, Luke Campbell's in a good one, fair enough. Katie Taylor's in a step up, but, you know, it's... It's women's boxing. Not a lot of people are too interested in that, even though I've been pushing it for quite a while now. You know, I like it. I think it's, it needs a chance, but I don't think it's worthy of being like, you know, like a big, big, 
on a big, big undercard like this. I don't want to be too critical. And then the three Olympians who have only had four fights between the three of them, and they're all in four rounders. Akoli, Cordina, and Josh Kelly. And they're all in there against overmatched guys who are just going to lose easy. So, you know, we will probably see a few knockouts here, but it's not a great, great undercard for me. I just, I'm a little bit disappointed. I know a lot of people are as well. And now the main event, the reason really probably why this undercard's not so great, it would have cost a lot of money to put together. It's a great, great fight. Anthony Joshua, 18-0, taking on the tricky veteran, one of the best heavyweights ever to lace him up, but he's coming off of a loss. 64-4, Vladimir Klitschko. It's for Anthony Joshua's IBF World Heavyweight title and also for the vacant WBA Super World Heavyweight title and the vacant IBO World title. Firstly, Ayaz, I'm going to go over to you before I have my say on this. I've got a little bit to say, so uh, I'm going to go over to you first. What's your thoughts on this fight, Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko? I think this is a very good fight. But the problem is, a lot of people say the last, uh, the, the thing is, the last time we seen Klitschko fight in the ring was when he fought Tyson Fury, which is over a year ago. And that's when Tyson Fury beat him. Many people are saying that since Fury has beaten Klitschko, has Klitschko aged from that fight? Or is it just Klitsch with the way when Tyson Fury beat him, he beat him in a style? Now, the problem is, Joshua has how many fights? 18 fights, is that correct? Yeah. Right, he's gone, he's had 18 fights. He needs that step up, like for example, like a Bermain Stavern, like a step up or a Kubrat Pulev step, step up. But I think, to, in my opinion, a lot of people are saying that he's catching Klitschko at the right time. In my opinion, to be honest with you, I think this fight is not. He's not. I don't think he's ready for this fight. In my opinion, I'm going. For, I'm going to have to go for a Klitschko win because the problem is Klitschko has got so much experience. Right, when he fought Fury. He fought complete. I think um, when he fought Fury, he fought very differently. But I think this time, right, he's gonna have a different frame, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna fight. He's gonna fight much differently what he fought to Fury. And I reckon. I reckon he'll beat Klitsch. I reckon he'll beat Joshua. Okay, so what we will say is we're going to go to the predictions in a moment. Remind me to to to, to ask. Well, I might as well just ask you right now. Do you reckon that's a points win, Ayaz, or do you reckon knockout? I can't see this fight going um, points. I'm going for a Klitschko knockout. I'm going with a Klitschko knockout as well. Now, let me give my reasons behind this. By the way, um, we talked about the Sean Porter and Berto fight. I went with Sean Porter to win by knockout. You went with Sean Porter to win on points. So it was 4-4. It's now 5-4 on the Prediction League. Obviously, we're predicting about the Klitschko fight here. We're both agreeing with each other's outcomes on the fight, which is a Klitschko knockout. So we can't be separated on that. But... What I will say is, my reasons behind my decision here. We spoke to Anthony Yard earlier. He decided to go with uh, Anthony Joshua to win, but he did mention the sneaky left hook of Klitschko. Klitschko throws a load of shots. We didn't see many of them against Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is very tricky. Tyson Fury was a lot taller, a lot longer reached than Klitschko. He's very tricky. He went southpaw. He went orthodox. I rewatched that fight the other day as well. Um... He was terrible in that fight. You know, everybody knows it. Anyone will admit it. He'll admit it himself. He was terrible. He didn't show up in that fight against Tyson Fury. He's coming off of that layoff. It's almost like, I think it's like almost an 18-month layoff. Um, it's not ideal for him. He's, he's also never fought at this age. He's 41 now. He's never been this old when he's fought. He's never had a layoff this long in recent years. It's, it's all against him. It's in the UK. It's in front of 90,000 Joshua fans screaming their heads off. I understand all that. Klitschko's a very seasoned guy. As I say, 
um, it's it's crazy. Some people saying that Joshua's power, like you know, that's a big thing. Let me tell you guys. If you don't know this, then you really don't know too much about boxing. Anthony Joshua has knocked out all opponents he's fought. Okay, he hasn't fought anybody who's genuinely, genuine, genuinely top, top, top level. Klitschko's done it time and time and time again. Remember Klitschko? Do you remember when Klitschko dealt with Pulev, knocked Pulev out? You know, could um, could Joshua knock Pulev out in that fashion? For me, I don't think so. I think that Klitschko, even though he doesn't have a one hundred percent knockout percentage he's the harder puncher of the two he's the more experienced of the two he's got more in his arsenal of the two i think his defense even though he hasn't he hasn't really showed it too much in recent times we understand that you know he's he's got that jab jab grab style i understand that he can be a bit boring but he doesn't really get hit much either and he's fought real live opposition whereas anthony joshua hasn't this is his first big test his first genuine test as a pro if he wins this fight i'm ready to jump on that joshua bandwagon and say he's the best thing since sliced bread he is as good as tyson fury i'm ready to say that okay but i can't do it before it's proven um you know, Tyson Fury beat Klitschko already, so it's already took the shine off of this victory. If he wins, I guess it's it depends how Klitschko looks and how he wins. If we can say if Joshua was better than Fury, Fury gave gave Klitschko a boxing lesson, to be honest, and he had no right to do so. Joshua, I think he's very stiff. He stands tall. He doesn't have a lot of movement. We know that Klitschko likes people that stand in front of him. Klitschko, again, with that sneaky left hook that Anthony Yard alluded to, he's got a great, great right hand, and I just think that I just think he's going to be a little bit too much for Joshua. I don't think I think Joshua can be hit, you know, and I think that in a way he's a little bit tailor made for. For, 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 for Klitschko and anybody that you speak to answer me this answer me this guys anybody that you speak to anybody that knows boxing if this comes because I think some of the first few rounds I think that it could be a bit cagey I think that it's going to be a little bit of a chess match early I don't think that either fighter is going to go absolutely crazy game plan out the window and start windmilling for a knockout early I think that both men are going to be very cautious I think they both respect each other a lot um, and as I've said before uh, sorry answer me this guys Who's got the better jab of the two? Klitschko. Yeah, it's clear. Klitschko's got a better jab. If it if it becomes a battle of the jabs, Klitschko's got you know he's got one of the best jabs. He's got a great great jab. So I think that if it comes to a battle of the jabs, I think he wins that fight. And if that is the case early, then I think he could end up racking up a few scorecards in his favour for the first few rounds. I think he could end up winning a few of those early rounds, and then that can make. Joshua get desperate, and when he gets desperate, which we saw against Dillian White, he can be rocked and hurt. And I tell you what, there's no one who's going to be cooler and calmer than Vladimir Klitschko. He's a cool cat. He's been around the block. He knows it. He, he owns a t-shirt. He's done the lot. He is the man. We we also do need to touch on the point that the press conference that Klitschko had with Tyson Fury, you know, he was very he was he was very dis dis disorientated, if you like. He was very uncomfortable. He seemed to just be a little bit shy, a little bit nervous, maybe maybe a little bit worried, you know, I understand it's hard to, to it's, it, that's Tyson Fury does that to people, I understand that, it doesn't really play much, much in the fight, but it did here, and we do need to bear in mind that in these press conferences and these times that he's met up with Joshua, he's talking like he is obsessed to become a three-time world champion, remember he joins only about four or five different names who's ever done that, Muhammad Ali being one of them, to become a three-time world champion, so there's that there. Also, the defense's record, he's, he's like, I think he's maybe tied with um, 
with Joe Lewis, so he wants to be defending oh. his title the most of any. Do you know the answer to that, guys? Is it? Have I got oh. it? Is it right? I'm not quite sure, but I elaborate you with something else. Go on. When Manny Stewart, before he died, he goes to Josh, he goes to Klitschko. You're going to have a signature fight, and in a press conference, Joshua said, "This is my signature fight that Manny Stewart told me I'm going to have." Yeah, you mean Klitschko said that? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's been right about a load of things. He said that Tyson Fury is going to be the man to take over after Klitschko. He was the man to talk to take over after Klitschko. So he's, you know, he's one of the best, the best trainers ever. And it seemed like he could see things before they happened. Listen, this is a great, great fight. You know, I take, I take nothing away from this fight. It's a brilliant fight. I've been looking forward to it since it was announced. It's got, you know, it's, it's, it's the best fight that can be made in heavyweight boxing right now for me. Absolutely, without Tyson Fury being involved, it is the best fight that can be made. If Joshua wins, wow, it's, it's huge, it's absolutely huge. But do remember that Tyson Fury's already beaten Klitschko, he's coming off of a loss. But as I say, he seems to be a lot hungrier, he seems to be a lot more switched on. And if he loses, especially if he gets knocked out, that's career ending for him. I think he needs to hang it up. And I just, I just, there's some fire. There is some fire in his eyes that I see, and I think it's a different Klitschko to the one that fought Tyson Fury. You know, I think we all know that, and I think that he has to throw more shots and land more shots than he did against Tyson Fury. And I don't think he can land or or throw any less. You know, he was terrible that night. And believe me. He is in this boxing business, and he's being serious. He's in it to stay. He's ready for a few more years, I think, uh, I think Vladimir Klitschko. He's an exceptional athlete, and this is a real telling fight. This is the first test, the first legitimate test for Anthony Joshua. If he wins, he's the real deal. If he loses, hey, he can come again. He's young enough to come again. Klitschko said to him in the face-off, if you beat me, I'll congratulate you. When you lose, I'll help you come back. And I believe he will. So uh, for me, I think it, it may be... I don't think it's too early. I do want to see Joshua in these fights, especially loads of his fans on Twitter and his, you know, his diehard supporters. They make me want to really see this fight even more than I ever did. So I hope that it's a good fight. I hope it lives up to its expectations. But for me, I'm going with a Klitschko stoppage. Remember, you can let us know on Twitter your opinions. We will talk about them. You can let us know your opinions on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. That's all I've got to say on that fight, Iaz. Is there anything else you want to mention before we leave the Wembley card alone? No, that's it. Okay, mate. We'll leave that there. That's at Wembley Stadium. If you didn't already know, it's going to be huge, huge at the way in tomorrow. It's going to be real electric. But what a fight. It's really got the hairs on the back of my neck stand it up and finally the final two cards to mention before we wrap up the preview part and essentially wrap up the show one fight to mention over in Malia Chorus Center in Philadelphia Pennsylvania USA Tevin Farmer big friend of the show his record 24 and 4 with one draw he's in a 10 rounder at Super Featherweight against Arturo Santos Reyes 19 and 7 this one's for Tevin Farmer's NABF Super Featherweight title so all the best to Tevin Farmer and also the final build to mention this one happening i think it's early next week i can't remember off the top of my head but it's at the sportsman's lodge in studio city california usa ivan redcatch 20 and 2 he takes on argenis mendez 23 and 5 with one draw should be a decent little scrap that one over 10 rounds at lightweight and also brandon figueroa's on the undercard his record at the moment 11 and 0 he takes on luis fernando at saverda who has a record of 7-2. and two. So a little mention there to Prospect. 
Brandon Figueroa. But that's really it for the preview, and it has been a long show. We've talked about a lot. There has been a lot to talk about. You know it, and I know it. Last week was full of boxing. It was huge. All the bills that was on this week is huge. There's only one bill that's on, but it's took up a lot of time talking about it. It's going to be a huge fight. I hope that you enjoy it. Again, I will speak to you just before we end the show in the in the outro, which I'm not even convinced many people listen to. But it is what it is. That's it for the preview. And we've done the news. We've done the reviews. It's now time to welcome, before we wrap up part two and end the show, it's time to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man I'm starting to call Triple B. He's got banter, he's got balls, and he can box. When I say he's got balls, I mean in the ring. However, last time when he stepped on the scales, he proved he's got big balls outside the ring too. It's, of course, the white rhino, Mr. Dave Allen. Dave, welcome to the show. How's that for an intro? Thank you very much, man. I enjoyed that. We uh, all three of us enjoyed that. Me and me two, me and me two balls enjoyed that. Thank the tingled a little bit at that. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, I wouldn't expect nothing less. So, Dave, obviously we spoke to you last after your uh, your last fight. You were expected to be out on the bill just gone, um, the Murray Rosado undercard, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Obviously, you chose to not fight on that one in order to train harder for your upcoming fight. You're fighting on the Brook and Spence undercard May 27th for the vacant Commonwealth strap against a guy called Lemroy Thomas. Now, I personally don't know too much about him, uh, Dave, aside from the fact that he previously fought Dominic Brazil. He lost that fight by a KO in round four. Aside from that minor fact, do you know much else about him, Dave? Yeah, you know, the only reason I knew of him before the, the name came up was um, he's, a, he's a well-known sparring partner. You know, he sparred Ortiz extensively. He sparred Joshua, I believe, for the Martin fight. Povetkin, you know, he's been all over sparring, so I knew of him through them circles. You know, since the fight, I've watched the Breezy Al fight. Andre Federsov is also a very good fighter in boxing. Uh, beat Jason Estrada you know Lenroy Thomas is a good fighter and that's why I pulled off the Liverpool bill I know I had to be 100% I couldn't afford to take that time off in resting for the Liverpool fight having time off resting after the Liverpool fight it wasn't It wasn't. I wasn't going to be able to do like going to the, the Lenroy Thomas fight less 100% so we took the Liverpool fight off the Ian Lewison fight which I believe was on is now not on because you know we deem the, the Commonwealth title to be a little bit more important than a domestic not even a grudge match, just a good domestic fight. We get the Commonwealth belt, and then uh, you know that 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 moves you up a little bit higher than we over a good fight on Ian Lewison. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. That's uh, obviously a smart move. What you're saying there, I didn't realise that he'd been a south, uh, not a southpaw. I didn't realise that he'd been a sparring partner of all these other guys. So, uh, you know, those are the ones you got to really be careful for. Those are the the kind of gym fighters. Obviously, he's a southpaw as well which um, straight away kind of alarmed me a little bit. And then I remembered, hang on a minute, you've been in there with probably the best Southpaw heavyweight in the world in Lewis Ortiz. Um, yeah, where have you been Where have you been training for this for this fight, Dave? And what's the latest with Shed ABC, by the way? I've been training everywhere. I've been in Shed ABC. I've been in Borcher Church Hall. I've been tonight training. I've been training in Church Hall. I've been training in Leeds and Mid-Mars. I've been on the track in numerous places. I've been on football pitches. I'm about to go on Boulder Car, Boulder Car Community Sports College where I went to school on their BG pitch. I'm everywhere. I'm all over the place. I get training wherever I train. I'm training well for this fight. I'm eating well for this fight. I'm going to take it serious. And, you know, I, I know what I bought the world and one. I bought Dylan White. They were massive fights. But, you know, this is a massive fight. Like, it's really winnable with the right timing to prepare and everything. You know, this is a must win. I don't win this. I've really got to look at my career and think, well, I know I'm an experienced, I'm not many fights. I've got a lot of learning and progressing to do but I, this is a fight I really have to win you know so I know that I'm, 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 I'm taking all the correct measures you know to make sure I take the opportunity 
Yeah, and again, upon hearing you saying that he's been sparring all these guys, that you know that's definitely whet my appetite for this fight. Now, what's I, I did want to just touch on the Ian Lewis and fight. Obviously, we're not talking about that at the moment, but since we last spoke, it seemed like the fight was on, and then it's off, and then it looks like you become the best of friends on on Twitter. What's what's actually the the latest on that? Well, the fight was never on. I, I just believe that the fight was was going to happen at Bramall Lane. I believe I was going to fight Liverpool six rounds, and then the Ian Lewis and fight was going to take place. Uh, that was my understanding. I was never told that by any of my management. That was just something I saw me and Ian, me and Ian was having a bit of a laugh. I like him. He seems like an intelligent bloke, a nice bloke. So I've got nothing against him. I thought that fight was going to happen. And then the next thing you know, you know, I'm getting an office fight with Conwell Tally and Flynn Roy Thomas. And it's not something I can turn down. The Ian Lewis fight is going to be there. Or the Ian Lewis fight is always going to be there for me. Like, it's a good domestic heavyweight. Some people want to see it. You know, so I've got to. You can't turn down a heavyweight title fight. So. We took it, you know, and 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 thought that Ian Lewis and fight will will be there come what may after May twenty seventh. And and Dave, obviously you're you're equipped now with with a new pair of running shoes. Kel Brook bought you them. How are they getting on? They're all right, you know. I don't I don't run in them. I wear them for best. I wear them for best. The uh, the mini shoes I kick about in them all the time. You know, it's funny how that came about. You know, um, no, not really. Kel must have just been Kel must have just been following the. Um, the Twitter band that we're in and, and just wanted to get involved and I've got a new a nice new pair of new bands out of it so uh, you know fight us again so <laughs> and uh, obviously you wanted to fight for the British title you kind of made it clear that that was your goal that was your dream um Usually we see the Commonwealth and the British go together, but obviously you're fighting in this fight for just the Commonwealth. Are you happy to be fighting for that anyway? A bit of a silly question, I know you are, but how happy are you to be fighting for that? Yeah, Commonwealth title, it's a major title, it is a major title, you know, but uh, the British title is still the one that I want. You know, I win the Commonwealth title, I've got the manager for the British title. The winner of Sam Sets and Gary Cornish is going to hold the Lonzo belt for about two or three months maximum until I get my hands on it. Everyone knows that that's the poor British title fight. The board knocked back me in. Dylan White for the British side, will let them fight for it. I think it's a farce, I think it's ridiculous, I think it's a joke, and I think I'm going to relieve them of the ones that are built pretty sharpish. So, upon hearing you say that, after this fight, providing you to get through this, um, we're not going to look too far ahead, but would you prefer to fight the winner of that fight rather than Lewis and next? Yeah, I want the British in the Commonwealth titles, and I'll defend it against Ian Lewis, and I'm more than happy to do that. If Joshua loses against Klitschko, he needs a nice easy combat, I'm here for him too. I'm here for I'm here for everyone who wants it, you know. Um, I want to collect the Commonwealth title, and I want to collect the British title, and then I want Ian Lewis. And, and like I say, if Joshua loses to Klitschko, he needs to come back fighting. He's a lot no further than myself. And I want to ask your opinion on that fight, Sam Sexton, Gary Cornish. Who do you reckon will win that one, Dave? Sam Sexton will start Gary Cornish. You reckon he stops him? You say? I say that with with, with much conviction. Yeah, I, be, I would definitely believe that's the case. Okay. And earlier in the show, our first guest, we spoke to Anthony Yard. We asked him about the Joshua and Klitschko fight, who he thought would win. He said Joshua. Another reason why I wanted to get you on this week, especially, is because I know that you've been going with Klitschko for quite a while, just like myself. Um, I wanted to really have some kind of divide in opinion between our two guests. So I wanted to ask you, Dave, once again, I know, I know who you're going with, but the reason why you're going with Klitschko. Well, I've sparred both men, you know. Whatever that means, I'm not sure, but I know I know Joshua. People say, well, you sparred him years ago. Yeah, that's true. He has improved absolutely massively, but you don't change certain characteristics in people. You don't change certain things. things will, certain things will never change no matter how much time you spend in the gym. And for that reason, that reason only, 
Vladimir Klitschko will beat Anthony Joshua. He's, he's too experienced. He knows far too much. Um, you know, this fight is all about whoever hits the other one on the button first is going to win because if one, all the first big shot that lands, this fight is all over. And and Vladimir Klitschko knows far too much for Anthony Joshua at this stage. I think Anthony Joshua can go down to be one of the best everywhere he's ever been. He's a tremendous athlete. He's still pretty much inexperienced. You know, he's not really boxing. But the Dillian White that he boxed, he's not a Dillian White that we see today. Dillian White is 10 times, 100 times the fighter he was when he boxed Joshua. And he's still the best opponent that Joshua's boxed. Joshua's not been with anyone. And he's going to jump in with one of the best everybody that's ever lived in the, the modern era. I don't think so. It's too much of a step up. Uh, people are writing Vlad off his shot. If Joshua does get the win, there's no such thing as a lucky shot. If he takes Vlad out in her house, there's no such thing as a lucky shot. And, and Vlad's not finished. I don't believe Vlad's finished. Vlad wants it as much as ever. Tyson Fury would make anyone look bad, you know. So if 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 Joshua does win, I give him all the credit in the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that 100. I'm ready to say he's the real deal if he gets the win, um, you know. But but we got to remember that. Tyson Fury went into that fight as the big underdog, and this time round, obviously, Joshua's the favourite, which, I don't know, numbers only go so far, I suppose. And finally, Dave, just before I let you go, I wanted to bring up the fact that you very honestly came out this week and said that for your sixth pro fight, you sold £105 worth of tickets for your sixth fight. Now, in only your 15th fight, you've sold £20,000 worth of tickets, which is incredible. What does that mean to you, and how did you manage to get to the level that you're at now in terms of fanfare, you've got so many uh, white rhino fans. Yeah, that is £105 as well, not 105 tickets, that's £105, that's three tickets. Oh, sorry, tickets. I tried to, I know, I knew that was right, I didn't know if I made myself clear, yeah, I knew I, that, I, I, I knew that. I've that case, you know, some people have bought, 105 tickets, £105, that's three tickets, and now, you know, I don't, I don't know what the £20,000 equates to, that's that's only so far, we're still looking forward to the night, to the night of the fight. More tickets will go out, you know, looking at maybe twenty five, thirty thousand pounds worth of tickets and, and where I've come from then, you know, like now things are crazy, things are ridiculous. It doesn't even feel normal, it doesn't feel like it's happening to me. The the, the message of support and, and whatever else that that's happening right now is crazy, you know. If I beat Lenroy Thomas, this can only snowball, this can only get bigger. Because like I tell people, people say to me, How have you done this? I've done this just by being myself. Everything I do is me. And I think that's what people appreciate. I'm just being myself, I'm just doing what I do. I'm acting a fool. I'm a clown. That's what I do. Everyone, everyone who knows me on a personal level knows I'm a bit of a clown. I do like a bit of a laugh. And I'm a nice kid as well. And, and, and I'm really glad and it's really nice that people are seeing that. I'm not flipping tables and, and scrapping and making silly remarks and doing whatever to get attention and, and whatever else. I'm just being myself and people are liking it. So I can feel, I feel it's only going to snowball from here and, and, and it's absolutely brilliant. It makes me emotional at times. The amount of tickets and support I'm getting, you know, it's, it, it's not something I ever envisaged happening to myself. Yeah, good on you, mate. All right, listen, Dave, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for coming on once again. Best of luck for your fight, which is uh, one month away today, and we will catch up sometime afterwards. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude what has been episode 80 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests, Anthony Yard and the white rhino, Dave Allen. Anthony thinks Joshua will win. 
Dave thinks Vladimir will win. Me and Iaz also think Vladimir will win. If you, our listeners, are brave enough to put your predictions on the line, remember you can send them into us at Box Hard Podcast on Twitter or Instagram, and we'll read your predictions out on next week's show, which by then we'll know the outcome of the fight, and it'll either be quite funny reading the ones that predicted it awfully wrong, or it'll be quite excellent for those that nail it. Either way, we hope Joshua gets the job done. He is a Brit at the end of the day. Enjoy your weekend. Weekends, people, and we'll see you next week.